Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of the God Cells podcast. I'm Eric Marola, the director of the God Cells documentary. Today is March 25th, 2021. Today's podcast is a jam-packed conversation. I talked to Lee, who discusses her third time being treated at M-Cell over the course of several years for Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism, arthritis, and other issues, as well as her 77-year-old father, who went to M-Cell for his very first time in December 2020 for heart problems, bladder problems, joint problems, a stroke in his eye, and other issues that come along with just being older. They were both at M-Cell at the same time last December. This is my first time having on two guests at once. We not only talked about their experience with M-Cell and the improvements they have experienced, but we also got into the history of M-Cell and discussed the bureaucratic roadblocks this therapy has faced and how M-Cell came to be. For those new listening to this podcast, I have been making documentary films for more than 10 years, with The God Cells being documentary number four of five documentaries I have released. I'm still very passionate about fetal stem cell technology, so much so I am working on a God Cells sequel, which will be my sixth documentary. I continue production on the God Cells sequel while I am at M-Cell this May 2021. M-Cell's schedule while I am there is now fully booked, but I will be back a few more times this year. Every time I go, people generally want to go while I am there, which is great. I am more than happy to email with you or chat with you if you are interested in going. It's never a bother, and since I have been there so many times, it's easy for me to send you in the right direction if you have never made this trip. You can just email me at eric at ericmarola.com. That's E-R-I-C at E-R-I-C-M-E-R-O-L-A.com. You can follow these podcasts on iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, or just sign up to my mailing list at ericmarola.com. That's E-R-I-C-M-E-R-O-L-A.com. I hope you enjoy today's podcast with Lee and Dennis. Hi, Eric. Hello, Lee. Hi, how are you? Very well. How are you? Well, thanks both of you for doing this today. I don't know. Have you ever heard any of my podcasts before, Dennis? I have. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. I listened, I listened to uh, two, I think. Okay. Maybe three. Okay. But yeah, so you, you can tell by the podcast, it's just candid. We just kind of have a conversation. But it's just kind of nice for people uh, to hear, you know, other people that have gone and just to have a conversation about it, you know. Um, that's kind of why I do it. You know, so I, I think it's vitally important, believe it or not. Great. Uh, my, my wife and I were talking about it. She said one of the things I should mention is I had to fly to this. I'll tell you where it is. But Istanbul yep. in Turkey. And I had to meet my daughter there. And the airport is so big. I, I, I can't quite describe it. It's it's much larger than O'Hare Airport in Chicago. I took off from Turkey Airlines in Miami. And that airport is that terminal is so much bigger than the rest of the airport. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and I and I was supposed to meet Lee there, and I thought, God, I'll never be able to meet her there. She'll never find me. You know, I'm, I'm sitting at a at a chair, and she walks up next to me. It's <laughs> <So> I, <laughs> yeah. I have never flown through Istanbul, but I've heard that it's like humongous. It's almost like a big shopping mall. On top of that, is that right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but I like that airport. I've, I've flown through Istanbul twice now, and um, 
that airport has my favorite bathrooms. So um, <laughs> they're, they're just everywhere. The bathrooms are everywhere, and they're new, and they're clean. And um, I think that's an easy airport to fly through. It is funny. I, I also was in Rome before I went to Kiev uh, the, the second trip, and there are so many tourists in Rome. There's like 150,000 tourists in Rome, like at any given time. And oh. then you go to Kiev, and there's like you know 15. Yeah. And it it's just so uh, such a stark difference, and it's so pleasant to be in Kiev, where like you have the whole, you know, it's like you live there. It's, you're not a tourist. It's like you're experiencing it as if you have friends there and live there, and different kind of thing. I completely agree with you. I think because you've been three times now, right? Yeah, three you, times. You've probably frequented a lot of the same restaurants. You might even recognize a lot of the same employees, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Absolutely. I do. Well, yeah. you're the one that told me where to go, right. you know, and you, make it, you made it easy. And now <laughs> I'm very comfortable going by myself. And uh, I love it there. Yeah, me too. Um, aside from all the reasons I go for this, you know, documentary work, um, it happens to be a really fun city. So yeah, it's sort of a little like almost a home away from home, which is I'm excited to go back in May because I haven't been since September of 2019. If you can believe that, you like you guys wow. have seen the new clinic. I haven't even seen that yet. Yeah, yeah I mean the new clinic. For yeah, I'm, not only am I going for treatment. I mean I've done five documentaries and only one of them were on this subject, and I'm so excited about this that I'm doing a sequel. Um, it's similar to my first Brzezinski documentary where I was I just had to do another one. Not only am I filming myself getting my treatment at the new clinic, but I'm also filming an intercoronary heart procedure where they're ejecting the fetal cells right into the artery, like where people get stents put in, et cetera. Um, I'm filming oh, that a, a patient. That's cool. Yeah, it's really cool, and it's uh, you know done under the under the supervision of these cardiologists that do this procedure thousands of times in conjunction with M cells doctors, uh, you know, on site. And yeah, it's uh, yeah, so that that will be exciting. So what I'm to answer your question, uh, Dennis, I'm working on a sequel to the documentary. So obviously, I'm going to stay for ten days, and I always schedule. Uh, I try to schedule filming of patients, and because of the first movie. Um, it makes my job a lot easier finding these patients because they've already seen the f first movie and it's easier to find them that want to go. So, and because of MCEL's new clinic and adding all this new technology, you know, I just, it just, it just, it deserves a second film. So not only am I doing the intracoronary filming, but there's also a new procedure where they use, it's called intrathecal, where it's like almost like an epidural where they put the neuronal fetal cells into the spinal canal uh, for people with Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis and things like that. I'm filming one of those. And they're also for people really? with, yeah, yeah, it's really amazing. And um, I've heard good results. And not only that, um, for the intracoronary, they did a clinical study that will be published in the peer-reviewed literature. The results were so good that it got accepted. It's not published yet. And for the Parkinson's, uh, for this interthecal spinal, it just got accepted into a peer-reviewed publication as well. Um, but it did sort of a semi-double-blind. You remember how you were injected, you know, uh, the kind of like the immune to oversimplify the immune cells in the arm and then the neuronal cells and the fat around the belly. That's what you got. You guys. Yeah. Right? Okay. Well, not only do they do that for everyone, but they're adding for people with lung issues They're They've isolated the fetal lung cells and they have an inhalation method where you inhale it right through the mouth. And then even for autism, they're going to get a lot of people for that one. Oh my God. Yeah. Especially with COVID because not only does it help if anyone has damage from COVID, but it is a huge sort of, you know, suit of armor 
against COVID if you did happen to catch it um, because of all these things. And they've actually altered. You guys probably got the upgraded COVID protocol just in case you end up getting it, you know, as well to protect you. And then the last new thing that they've done is for autistic children. There's two autistic children I've been following since 2019. Um, they're also in two of the podcasts, by the way, that it's the same families and they're going to be back and they've added the neuronal cells. So they get the same injections as we got. Um, of course, with different of a different personalized regimen for each ailment, just like they did for both of you. But they also uh-huh. added this new inhalation method of the neuronal cells being in, uh, inhaled through the nose. So that's so neat. I know. So what? What the reason for that is is so the neuronal cells through the nose go right into the brain faster, while the neuronal right. cells in the fat around the belly go into the brain slower. So you have a double whammy of delivery system for the same cells that are the neuronal brain cells. So I'm going to film that. Um, so yes. Exciting. So that's why I'm going back, Dennis. That's amazing. <laughs> well, it's all interesting. I wish you'd do 10 sequels. Yeah. Well, you even know, if, I, don't I know wish if, there was a podcast every week. I wish there was a sequel every couple months. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, making a full feature documentary and all that comes along with releasing it and the publicity and then hiring the music guy. And it's like a big ordeal. And I, and I mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I might, but what I could tend to tell it's you, like I'll making do. making a movie. Right. <laughs> right. But I can tell you, just like when I interviewed you, Lee, the first time, is like I'll keep adding these stories if I can because I just think it's important to keep expanding the stories. And because I'm the only person on earth doing this. I mean, really. I mean, there's like, you know, there's nobody else covering it's this shocking. subject. I know it's shocking. It's like, I know. Well, let me also give you a, a, another tip when you were talking about the heart. Yeah. I've had. Uh, three ablations, that's where they go in through your groin and they burn out parts of your heart because it runs too fast. Yep. And since I was at M-Cell, mm-hmm. uh, my heart has overtaken the medic- medication I've been taking. I've been taking Metropolo and Cardia 240. My heart was always running at 50 to 60 beats per minute, and now all of a sudden it's up to uh, 80 to 90 beats per minute. It's automatically picked up, and occasionally I get uh, a fib again, which I, which was the reason for the ablation. Mm-hmm. So I, I've had to increase my, uh, my drugs from, uh, I was taking 25 milligrams twice a day of the uh, metropolo. And now I'm taking 125 twice a day to keep my heart rate slower. Uh, I, I still don't have it down as slow as it was before, but eventually it'll catch up. I mean, so it was sort of like your your heart got healthier. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Like the stem cells helped it your heart stronger. get healthier. It, it got stronger. It just overwhelmed the medication I was taking. That's amazing. Thank you for bringing that up, Dennis, because you got a much higher dose of the fetal heart cells um, than like, say, Lee did or I will get. Um, and, you know, that's kind of why I called it the God cells, because once they're in your bloodstream, they kind of know where to go. And since your heart is the center of your entire blood circulatory system, they're going to go there. Right. That's really interesting to hear. Um, have you had uh, any meetings with any cardiologists since you've went? I get to see all my doctors. I go to Cleveland Clinic. You never get to see the doctors at Cleveland Clinic. R- right. Right. Uh, <laughs> So I, I've got an appointment for, it's April, it's in April, I get to go see my cardiologist. Well, he's impossible to get to see because he's a he's a, a wizard. Yeah, well, Cleveland <laughs> Clinic is definitely one of the more prestigious play, uh, you know hospitals in the country, obviously. Yeah, I would love to hear a follow-up. I'll try to remember this um, and just to see what he has to say. I'd be very curious. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to tell him? Oh, oh yeah. All the, all the doctors are really interested. I mean, okay. I go to a, another another location. It's called uh, Fort Lauderdale Eye Center or something like that. 
he's had people that have had gone in for stem cell treatments but never fetal stem cells and he said gee none of this stuff has worked before so we're very interested to see if if you can get any kind of result which i have but it's still not uh it didn't correct my going blind in this eye because i had a stroke in the eye but my vision has improved to the point that i can see shadows and i can see some colors which, which I couldn't see before. It was wow. all black and white. Did, was, did you get the eye injections also? No, I didn't get any eye injections there. I, I got the eye injections in uh, Florida. Okay. So, but help me I, understand. So you, the, are you saying that the regular regimen at M-Cell, since then, um, you've seen improvement in that eye? Yeah. Oh, wow. It, it has improved. Yeah. Okay, wow. That's amazing. Which is amazing. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. he gained some sight. Yeah, in that's, his eye. unfortunately, it's not enough to see. You still stumble around because I'm now, now I'm wearing glasses instead of contacts. Wow. So yeah. Yeah, the reason I brought up eye injections is because I guess they probably felt like it wasn't needed in your case, but they do. They don't inject into the eyeball, but they inject <laughs> fetal cells around the eye socket in some people. I've actually had it done yeah. just because I'm crazy and I just wanted to do it. Plus, I'm getting up. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost, they were like, you're almost 50. You could probably, it wouldn't hurt you, you know. Um, but anyway, all right. So, yeah, since we're on this, Dennis, because um, I've just heard a little bit from Lee. Um, so you went there. Obviously, you had some heart issues you wanted to address. You had a, So the stroke was in the eye or was it a, somewhere else? I had else? a stroke in the eye. Okay. It, yeah. When they, they look inside of your eye, they actually take a picture of where the stroke was. So. so, okay. So have you been back to see that physician with your eye doctor since MSO? Next week, okay. Tuesday. All right. Yeah, let's, I want to hear what they have to say about that, too. I'm just impressed that his doctors are interested yeah. because some of mine could care less. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they're just so oblivious well, to I, it and don't want to know. The ones that aren't doing anything for me, like I still got a bladder problem. Like mm -hmm. they don't care. They they sent me a prescription for $31,000 worth of uh, catheters so I can pee. Wow. I mean, are you kidding me? $31,000? Can't you cure me for $31,000? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, to me, it would make more sense, but I mean, and that's just one year. Is that well, Dad, talk, tell Eric about how you, your bladder changed, though. Changed. Like, when you went to Kiev, what, your, what you had to do, what, what your bladder hookup was, and like what your bladder hookup is now. And Okay. Uh, when I went to Kiev, I was wearing a Foley catheter. That means the catheter's attached to your bladder it's got a like a uh, a little balloon mm -hmm. and and they when they insert it they blow up the balloon so it won't slide out okay and, and then i could i could hook that up to either a bag on my leg or a big bag which i hung next to my nightstand at night and then you, then you could go all through the night without having to empty the bag okay but the one on the leg would only hold like uh like two cups of urine so you had to you had to change that gradually, or whatever you would fill up. But the uh, when we got back from Kiev, uh, my darling daughter took me to the hospital one night uh, because I had the catheter, the Foley catheter, removed, and I I thought I was going to be able to just basically urinate into a pad, mm -hmm. and I'd be okay. What's wrong is I couldn't urinate. And well, I, we, I talk a good game, so I, you know, I told them, like, you know, the stem cells will probably heal your bladder, but I didn't say it was going to happen in one day, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> maybe it was going to take a couple months, but he's like, get that catheter out. Yeah, and so uh, we ended up having to go to the emergency room. We spent, like, five hours in the emergency room 
and didn't get to see anybody. And then we had to come back the next day. Well, help yeah, me this was in Florida, by the way. This is after we're back. Okay, so yeah. did something you know, go? Hospital visit happened. Did something go wrong where you had to go to the ER? I'm confused. Like, what made you have to go to the ER? Oh, we well, couldn't get in to see a doctor. Okay. Well, okay, so it's COVID, and uh-huh, okay. they have too many COVID patients, so they can't take anybody else. They have no beds. Okay. And that was scary. It was a whole waiting room full of people they couldn't get in, um, and we were all turned away after waiting there for five or six hours and not sleeping. But um, it was frightening because like, you could die if you can't if your bladder is truly blocked. You know, but oh, they I said see. if he passed out, they would take him if he passed out. <laughs> oh, I see. So <laughs> like, when oh, you, my God. after you returned, you just happened to have a blocked bladder after you returned. Is so that... well, so this is this, let me clarify. Okay. So he knows how well the stem cells could work, mm-hmm. and. They said that if he kept his Foley catheter in for too long, it would be permanent. Like his bladder tissues wouldn't know how to uh-huh. Got it. recover. So when we got back to Florida, he's like, take this stupid you know, catheter out so that my bladder can heal and learn how to work on its own. Mm-hmm. But I realized that, you know, we don't know how fast or slow that's going to happen. Right. You know. Right. But anyway, but dad doesn't have a Foley catheter in anymore. Now he just does a... Oh, that you you explained how you do it. Yeah, now. please. Thirty-one thousand dollars worth of catheters in the garage. Oh, <laughs> right. Oh, so you? Oh, okay. Wow. So you did take the but catheter. But they're like one time use. They're right. like one time use. You okay. know, he uses one. Uh, how many times a day do you use one? Do you use one once a day or two times a day? Uh, five times a day, six times a day. Okay. So that's seven fifty a pop. Wow. But you don't have a permanent bag hooked onto your leg, or no, you know, no. a big. IV bag of bladder, you know, you don't have like a bladder bag next to your nightstand anymore. You know what I mean? It's like much more sanitary and livable. And I mean, I think your quality of life improved greatly. I used to take the catheter and put it in a measuring container so I could see how much I was improving. And as my wife suggested, she said, why don't you throw that thing away and just go stand in front of the toilet, and which I do now. Now I just do it with a, manual uh catheterization and right well and you know it's not been three or four months since our treatment so your bladder still might have some healing you might still have some healing from the stem cells it's just not been enough time yeah um but you know we like to be honest about how things are progressing and i also had bladder problems and the stem cells fixed my bladder problem on my first trip into by two weeks within two weeks what they said was like a permanent bladder problem. You know, it was gone and wow. it has stayed gone. Wow. So, you know, sometimes you have to catch it early enough, but dad had just gone through um, prostate cancer and he's got a lot of inflammation, body inflammation from the radiation and that puts pressure on the bladder. Yeah. And so inflammation can really take some time to, to reverse. And yeah, but I think right. it will. You have to realize my bladder was stretched out to the point it was twice as big as it was supposed to be. Right, of course. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know how long it'll take it to shrink it back to normal. I think it's it's more or less back to normal. But what's wrong is, and I still can't get a uh, a normal urine flow. Okay. Right. Okay. But in a few months, you never know. You never you know, know, yeah. Three, four months from now, you might. Well, also, yeah. too, when you mentioned inflammation, one thing that I've sort of seen a lot is um, anything inflammatory, uh, the cells tend to calm down. Um, sort of regardless of what it is, you know. I, I would know. agree with that completely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I had like a inflammation, uh, like a cascade. I think that's what they call it, where like you have so many things going wrong all at once. It's like a cascade effect. 
and it's hard to stop once and I call it sliding down the hill for myself like I I'm like oh I'm sliding down the hill again that sort of sensation of like uh, you know things are starting to go really wrong mm-hmm. the stem cells always put the brakes on that and um it's such a relief it's such a I mean it's such an amazing healing modality yeah um it's ridiculous that it's not available here but we we all know why that is so yeah you know, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the fact that you've been back, you've been there three times, a lot of people will ask Lee, like, why would you have to go back? You know, why? And, you know, of course the logical explanation wants to say, understand, you know, that, you know, we are degenerating with our age. And then of course, if you have issues that is sort of like further degeneration issue and all the M cell, all the stem cells are doing is, you know, fighting against that and regenerating. But like, I'm sure you've been asked that question, Lee. Like, what do you tell people when yeah. they say, why are you going back? Well, you know, it is a really good question. And a lot of people don't know if the stem cells are that fabulous because I have to keep going back. And I, I try to explain to them, I'm like, well, I haven't figured out my root cause yet. I said, I don't know what the underlying problem of all of this stuff is. You know, I, I, I said, I might eventually figure it out and then maybe I don't have to go again. But I'm sort of like, I want to go every year for the rest of my life because it makes you feel fantastic and it makes you feel like your best most optimal you know self i'm like who doesn't want that every year you know what i mean but um the fascinating thing is is that i did i think i have stumbled upon the root cause of all of this and i just found out like you know maybe a month after i had gotten back from the third trip and it is mycotoxic mold exposure oh wow and you know i've been sick for about nine years but i still i mean i still go to work there are some years or months where I'm extremely fatigued and tired, um, but other times it's better. And um, I have a lot of different doctors. I've gone to so many doctors, but like my best doctors, like in Texas, and you know, I have to get on a plane to go see them. And um, I had another doctor in Arizona. And with COVID, it's been hard. You know, you can't like go. I can't get on a plane and go see my doctor. And um, so I, I went and found a local doctor that I, I do respect. He's like, you know, you've been sick a long time. Why don't we test you for mold? And that's always been sort of like in the back of my mind. But I've I've bought little mold Petri dish things at like, you know, Ace Hardware or Home Depot. And I've put them in the house. And they always, you know, they, you send them away and wait two weeks for the results. And they'll come back negative. Mm-hmm. And um, the same, we, we just moved to a new house a year ago. And I always suspected the old house. Because every once in a while it would have like a musty, damp smell like in the spring. Mm-hmm. But then it would sort of go away. There was a lazy Susan in the corner of the kitchen that we never used because every time you'd open the door, you'd be like, that cabinet just always smells funky. Like, I, you know, nothing else smells strange. But, but you know, we'd shine a flashlight in there and we wouldn't see anything. And, you know, we'd shine a flashlight in the crawl space and not see anything. And anyway, the new house, I, um, I started sort of getting sick again in the new house. And, um, when they tested, they tested me for mold, like a week before I left for Ukraine Mm -hmm. and I didn't have time. The results weren't back. So anyway, they're like, Lee, you have crazy, crazy high levels of like toxic mold exposure. And, um, so, and I was in a way, it's like, oh my God, I'm so happy to hear that. It isn't that the silliest thing to be so happy to hear that you have mold poisoning, but it's like, oh my God, that explains so many things. Well, to be able Um, to have an explanation for, instead of people, instead of like thinking, am I crazy? Like what is wrong with me? Well, and you know, my friends are always like, geez, Lee, you go to a lot of doctors or you're still talking about being sick. And I'm like, I'm sorry that I haven't figured it out yet. But you know, it's like, I'm trying. Yeah. Um, I have a gliotoxin, which is a dangerous mold or it's a, it's a mycotoxin that the mold kicks out. 
you're you're supposed to be like under the level of 200 and he said the highest we've ever tested in our office and he does like he's the kind of doctor that gets a lot of Lyme disease a lot of mold poisoning a lot of weird diseases he's like the highest we've ever had anybody in our office test is 800 and he's like and those people are very very sick at 800 he's like they can't go to work they're lying in their bed like they're ill he's like Lee you are 1,800 wow He's like, I don't understand how you're even walking in my office. He's like, you should be in a hospital. You know, he's like, this is a very dangerous mold, and I can't believe you're able to go to work. Um, and I joke with him. I'm like, oh, well, I've had three fetal special transplants. I'm like, that's how I'm able to walk around with this, like, dangerous mold in my body. And then I also have ocrotoxin A. That one, uh, you're supposed to be under seven, and I'm at, like, 39. But he he's very interested in the fetal stem cells because he's like you know you're an anomaly most people would be so sick and i'm like i thought of your story eric with the strep throat like when you had strep throat right Mm -hmm. after one of your fetal stem cell transplants but it didn't bother you and like you barely even noticed yeah and the doctors are like you should be a lot sicker than that and it's because the stem cells are so powerful it's like i'm a i'm able to get away with so many more i guess more diseases than and i should but um I also tested positive for Lyme disease, and I have all the symptoms for Bartonella, which is a co-infection. Um, it's hard to test, have a lab test for Bartonella. So, and I had COVID um, last year. So, you know, I have all these other things like on top of my other Hashimoto's and stuff. But yet, I'm still happy going to work. You know, my life isn't perfect, but I have a lot more energy than I should. That's exciting. And I, I totally attribute it to the, to the cells, yeah. you know. I have, I have to come in with a little bit of comment. I had a shot in my left knee mm-hmm. because it, to leave my house, I have to step down into the garage. That's the way the, the rules are in Florida. Mm-hmm. And to step down, my knee used to have to go crunch. And it, it just you, you could just hear it grinding. Absolutely was falling apart. And after they gave me the shot, that thing almost it, Within a month, my knee was back to normal. Wow. It doesn't crunch when I step into the ground. One month, my ankle has gotten better. It's just not totally better. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, talk talk uh, about your ankle and how long it's been bad. Oh, uh, well, I went to Mayo Clinic in 2002 in Jacksonville, and they suggested they cut off my foot and uh, attach a pin so I walk around like a pirate. Uh, on my foot. I mean, they're going to cut my foot off, and I, I was going to... Right, their, their best there. idea is amputation. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And and so I've just struggled through. Uh, I take I used to take pain pills all the time, and glucosamine chondroitin, and it, somehow I've survived. Now, that's gotten better. But I used to have a huge black varicose vein on the inside of my calf, on my right foot. Mm-hmm. And I would say it was approximately four inches long, and an inch and a half wide, mm-hmm. and it was black. Mm-hmm. It was just black, and that's gone. It went away. Wow! Wow! I, I don't know why it's gone. I mean, they said it wasn't. <laughs> they didn't give me anything to get rid of it, but it just disappeared. Well, I mean, it it, it just looked ugly for a long time. Yeah, I that's mean, the, you're the first person. Wow, you're the first person I've heard that specific uh, thing happen. I, you know, I do know that the cells, um, the the cells that come from the fetal liver are sort of the foundation of the circulatory system or the foundation of the bone marrow. So one of the side effects or positive side effects of getting this therapy is like sort of a rejuvenation of your cardiovascular system, and it builds new capillaries, makes your existing blood vessels stronger. 
And it must be, I mean, I'm guessing it must have something to do with that because it really enhanced yeah. your entire circulatory system. And yeah. wow, that's amazing. How many years was that there? How many years have I had that? Yeah. That's, that's probably been ugly like that for between 10 and 20 years. Wow. I've had this big varicose vein. You, and then something yeah. else. Have you ever noticed on old people, they have like black looking ankles because the, they've got, uh, I, I assume they're just varicose veins, but they're little capillaries. They're lots of them. Yep. And yeah. It makes their ankles look black. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's sort of from edema, like pooling blood and like, you know. Yeah. Mine, the mine blood isn't like getting that. pumped back up the leg. Yeah. Mine are fine. My ankles have cleared up. I mean, I don't know why, because I, I contacted MSELP, and they didn't know why it would do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because they weren't really treating me for that. Right, right, right. And, but it, it did happen. Those are two extra, extra results, and I'm happy they have improved. That's exciting, Dennis. I tell, yeah. my, I tell my wife my, my memory has gotten better. Mm -hmm. I, I recall things much more easily. I still say, uh, I still go into a cloud once in a while where I don't remember somebody's name, but I, I'm just hoping that will come back. My my father had Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandfather had Alzheimer's. He didn't have it as bad as my father did, but my father lived to be 87, so he, it probably progressed further. Do you do you and, mind uh, uh, sharing with people listening how old you are? Do you mind? Oh, no, okay. I'm 14. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, maybe, maybe I got that number wrong. How about 77? <laughs> okay. You're 77. 77. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you already know this, but um, having a hereditary um, sort of disposition for Alzheimer's, this, this treatment also ideally will help protect against that. I have not personally met an Alzheimer's patient, but the Dutch woman that the podcast you listen to, if you remember, she met someone whose I father... I remember her. Yeah. yeah. And that was how... She found out that she said, well, wow, if Alzheimer's, you know, it makes that get better. So let me look into this. So that would oh, be... I think it would. Absolutely. I absolutely think the stem cells would make somebody with Alzheimer's get better. Yeah, because it's toxicity is what I believe. Mm -hmm. It's like total body toxicity. You've like you're at maximum capacity. The body can't handle anymore. And that's just one of the side effects of toxicity. Yeah. No. And then, of course, with the regeneration, regenerative power of the actual brain cells being administered to you, you know, getting in the brain as well. And yeah. Yeah. Well, things get clogged, yeah. you know, and as you get sick, you get more clogs and the stem cells sort of, well, and it's inflammation and the stem cells sort of let your body detox again. All those toxins can kind of come out of you. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's sort of why it works. Yeah. I'll give you I'll give you another example of a little bit of improvement. Sure. In 1978, I was in. Holland and I had euros for the first time and I just remembered that. <laughs> Wait a minute, why would you eat a euro in Holland? From the from the Netherlands, you know, it's like, oh, that's where I got the first time I ate euros. <laughs> All right, well you had a good long term memory. I noticed my dad's um even the way he was speaking, it was faster and like he might hesitate on the first word for just like a split second, and there w there was less hesitation. And I I noticed, and I also thought he got funnier somehow, um, <laughs> you know. But I I could tell the difference. Well, you know who um, can really tell is is your wife, Dennis. I mean, how does uh, she pointed out anything that you can recall recently that she said, "Wow, Dennis," you know, anything like that? I don't say. Well, my kids bought me hearing aids because I used to say "what" all the time. Yeah, yeah. I. I get in trouble now when I say what, but it's 
not as often as it used to be. <laughs> uh, but it's like my hearing, I think, has gotten better because I can actually, uh, like in the morning, I get up and I don't put on my hearing aids right away. I, I, I go watch TV and I keep the volume really low. Mm-hmm. And it's like I still can, I can hear. Wow. I don't know if I can hear better, but I, I can hear. And something else, during the if I watch TV during the day, I, I wear my glasses. After I watch TV for a little while, I have to take my glasses off because I can see the television better without my glasses on. Wow. 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 I, I have no idea what the hell that means, but I mean, it's, it's, those are improvements. And I, it's like, uh, I'm, I'm sure they, Emsil probably doesn't know what they are, <laughs> but, yeah, but I'm getting right. improvement. Well, it is interesting. They will admit too. I mean, that's kind of part of the fun of their job, even though they've been doing this for a while is they, is, is, is keeping a track of all of logging and these new things that happen to people that they've never had a, either a record of or were aware could have happened. And they take this very seriously because their data, if anybody asks, you know, they have a, a logging system to keep track of things that happen, you know, to people uh, in addition to things that they already know probably will happen for people. Um, but um, yeah, that's great. That's, that's exciting. I had a chauffeur by the name of Alex. Mm-hmm. When, when, when we first got to Kiev, for me to get in the back seat of the car, Alex had to help me to the point that he had to lift my leg to get it inside, the, like a, the, there's a, a wheel well or whatever it is, to mm-hmm. stick your leg over to get in. Mm-hmm. But he had to do that for the first, uh, I'd say first two days, and on the third day, he didn't have to help me. I could just get in by myself. Wow. Yeah, I, it was fun to watch my dad. Like he, My dad needed to be like escorted to the car like on an arm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, his walking is, there's short steps, he can lose his balance, you know, he's got to be careful when he walks, and it was just so fun, like, Alex and I were talking or something, and Dad just walks to the car by himself and swings his own legs into the car, I wish I had, tur- I, you know, I didn't know that was going to happen, I wish I had my phone on, it was so fun to see that, it was like, nobody helped you in the car today, Dad, Yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, it's fun to see um, that, because, yeah, because you're... You don't even really ha- notice it when it's happening um, when you're, you know, because right. you are used to having years of being able to, you know, walk normally. So they did a local injection into the knee, right, Dennis? Yeah. Did they do a local injection that, into that your? That scared the hell out of me. Yeah. <laughs> because they didn't give me any uh, numbing or anything else like that. The, the doctor who did it looked like a six foot six yep. football player. Oh, I know who you're they talking about. Football yep. players in Germany. Yep, yep. Big moose, strong young and he walked over he, he touched my knee a little bit felt around and he says uh-huh and, and he stuck the needle right in and the needle must have been uh two and a half three inches long and he just shoved it right into my knee and it's like i was so busy gasping that it was gonna hurt that it didn't hurt right <laughs> but it, yeah. but it took care of my knee Amazing. That's so amazing. So how about the ankle? Yeah. Was, was that a local injection also, or that was just... That was the local injection. Okay, now, a- the yeah. ankle. And they goes. said they, they, said they didn't want to inject it in the capsule because the capsule was inflamed okay. from his previous surgeries and stuff. Okay. They just were going to put it near the ankle capsule, so they didn't puncture it, Okay. which I thought was interesting, too, because in America, like, if you get adult stem cells, you know, put in your knee or in your ankle joint, it's like... They are putting it in the capsule. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're puncturing it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're very careful at MCEL. They're very conservative. They're like, we're just going to put it near it. And Dad absolutely had great healing well, from that. And I, just for the people listening, I did have to pay extra for the local injections. That's not part of the regular treatment. But it's so worth it. And I, I thought about them 
possibly doing my my hip, but I thought maybe just the regular treatment might make my hip arthritis go away because it, it has in the past. Right. Yeah, I mean, like going back to the fact that we have a circulatory system that moves around all the time, you know, that's why they just did it close to the ankle, you know. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I've had a... Not the same, but I had a skateboarding injury in my Achilles heel. Like I kind of had like a, I was feeling so good after the second therapy. It's like, oh, you know, I haven't skateboarded since I was in my teens, you know, I think I'm, maybe I told you this, but I, so I live in Santa Monica. Was that so, last week? Yeah. No, right. <laughs> well, you're looking, you're looking younger, Eric, so we don't Thanks. know how old you are. Right. Well, I'm, I'm 48. Oh, but anyway, I, what's that? You, get, you have to get the stem cell treatment and your, the stem cell facial. My yeah. goodness. I mean. I'm not telling you all my wrinkles disappeared, but so many of them did. I, I look about 55. That's amazing. Yeah, that's great. So did you have the injections or just the facial where they sort of paint on the, the cells? Where they just had the facial. Okay. Little spike needles. Oh, you did have that. Okay, yeah, great. He did the regular one. He did the regular one. Okay. Yep. But it, I mean, I, I can't tell you how much it improved. Even the guy, I work out with guys at a gym. Yeah. And we're all uh, similar age. One guy's 82. Another one's 74, and another one's, uh, he just turned 65. They all made a comment. Like, one guy said, you know, you look like you're taller. <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm standing more erect. Right. And, and another guy said, I, I know this sounds hokey, but he said, you look like you've got a glow about you. You know, it's yep. like, uh, <laughs> I, I improved so much that I, I had a glow. Yep. These are guys at a gym saying no this. That's what's funny. Before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. You know, it's funny. Thank you for bringing that up, Dennis, because uh, that's something that we forget about. Like when I first had my therapy in 2016 at MCEL, I was really concentrating on just getting, because I wanted to, I said, what better way to show this therapy than to have me get it and film it, right? That was really all my right. focus. That was my focus. I was like, this has to go in the movie. I, I was, of course, excited about getting the therapy because I'd seen enough great results with it, but I really, that wasn't really my focus. So what I'm trying to get at is once they sort of kicked in and I realized, like, what? Like, you know, and of course, everybody else that saw me were like, you look amazing. What's going on with you? <laughs> and um, so that's what I'm trying to say. And we forget about that too. It's just who doesn't want to, you know, have everybody walk up to you and go, what, what did you do? Why do you look so good? Why, why do you have this glow? Right. You know? <laughs> well, especially if you've been sick, it's sort of like a nice bonus prize being yeah. like, okay, you've been sick for five years and now you can look fabulous or at least your face looks nicer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's a nice what thing. I, like I stand up straight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was I had... over. I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And your neck was sticking out funny and it, it your, your head, like on top of your shoulders more um, than it was. I think that's just a stress response of the body coping with, you know, just sickness and aging. And you sort of start to get hunched over. And um, but he's he's definitely. I mean, he looks better. He looks younger. He's standing up straighter. He's walking better. He's talking better. Every everything works and better. I don't have you know. Parkinson's effect from my hands, where my hands tremor. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Dad had a bad hand tremor, and I don't know what that's from, and it. It absolutely calmed down, like, third day in, in Kiev, the, the hand tremor was much, I mean, like, 80% less. Wow. Um, I tried to take a video of it on my camera, on my phone, and I have a little bit of footage of that. Um, wow. I don't throw food over my shoulder anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dennis, um, this is so exciting. What else? What else are you hiding from me? What else is going on? Well, you know what's funny is Dad, um, well, 
it was like the day after the treatments were finished. We're in the hotel, and um, Dad is like, "I want to show you that I can jog now." <laughs> Which you know he needed like an escort to like walk ten feet to the car, and now he's like, "Let me show you that I can jog." And Dad, what happened when you showed me that you could jog? Uh, I proceeded to run and fell on my face. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and his knee that we had just gotten injections in. Yeah. But um, he was fine. Okay. And uh, I mean, it's fun to feel energy like that. Like, yeah. Actually, I had enough know, strength that when I fell, I didn't smack my face on the floor. I held my right. Your hands. Arms. You know, you yeah. caught yourself and you were able to get up. And yeah, um, you know. Yeah. We had wheelchair service at the airport. You know what I'm saying? So, like, for somebody who, like, has to be in a wheelchair, you know, in a big airport, it's, like, it's fun to be, like, I have enough energy to jog now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought I could do it. <laughs> and you did. I mean, you just, you know, you lost your balance a little bit. But um, it, it's, it was so great to watch my dad, like, transform before my very eyes. I mean, that was, like, a gift. And then, uh, you know, and then I started feeling better, too. So I didn't know I had this toxic mold exposure and, um, well, I'll just talk about that for a second. So, so when I was, the first time I went to Kiev, uh, the first treatment, you know, like two weeks later, every autoimmune problem I had went away. It was like sleeping on a cloud, walking on a cloud. Everything about it was just amazing. It lasted almost a year. Um, and then I did sort of start to get sick again after, after a year, like I, I started sliding downward again and I, I didn't want to be sick again. So I went again. It was 13 months, and um, everything started healing in the exact same way it did the first time. And that, I thought, was so interesting, like the exact same order of healing, what I feel first, what I feel second, what, you know, um, I find that fascinating. Like my arthritis, it, it heals the newest arthritis first, and then, you know, it does my ankle first, and then my knee, and then my oldest one is my hip, and it does the hip last. And, I mean, it's just, I just think it's fascinating, that, you know, that you could repeat the same thing, but... Um, on my second trip, I caught an upper respiratory infection four days after the treatment was finished. Mm-hmm. And they warn you not to get one, and it's not like you can help it, but, you know, it's like it does sort of stop the stem cells that they, they gave you as an IV in your arm. It, and for me, I can feel the healing um, for the first 30 days. I can feel it really strongly. I can feel, like, things repairing. And um, when I caught that upper respiratory infection, it stopped because they were all the rushing, to, they were all rushing there to fix that. If the cells were, yeah, yeah, and since they were so, so recently, yeah, all the cells like stopped, <laughs> or they all fixed my upper respiratory infection, and then they they yeah. didn't go and fix anything else. So I didn't feel that super healing. It ended, but I still had an amazing like first month. But like you start your, I always say like you start to coast back down after your super healing's done. Like you're you're sort of coasting on what you had repaired and. I started coasting much sooner than I had the first time. Right. And it's scary because, you know, you have to still go to work, make a lot of money. You've got to make more money than you used to so you can pay for your next stem cell <laughs> treatment. You know, it's like you don't want your super healing cut short. Let me interrupt her on that part, the super healing. Yeah. I appreciate your super healing and your super money making because my daughter popped and took me to M-Cell. Oh, wow. I didn't have to pay anything. She wow. Good for you, Lee. And I'd like to thank you publicly. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. My... My bank account uh, <laughs> will recover someday. But um, so I didn't go again to MSL for two and a half years. And um, I, I probably should have gone sooner, but there are things in life where you decide it's like, well, we want to, you know, move and buy a house. We want to remodel it. We want, you know, there's some things that like, this is the time to move and you can either have the house or you can have stem cells. You know, it's like, yep. okay, I'll take the house. 
now that I have the full picture, I kind of think I was living in a moldy house for nine years. Wow. And I was very proactive about doctors and reading books and watching videos. And I mean, I'm on every medical, you know, forum. And I mean, I'm actively trying to figure this out. And the mold thing did not occur to me. And I just, I want to tell other people that are sick because um, I've just started learning about it. But it sounds like a lot of people that have autoimmune problems, they think Hashimoto's disease is called is caused by mycotoxic mold exposure. They think anybody with Lyme disease or Bartonella, Bepsisa, uh, those, they think people have already a mold exposure or a mycotoxic mold exposure underneath the Lyme. They said almost everybody with Lyme disease has the mold problem. I, I've never heard anybody on the, you know, the podcast talking about Lyme disease, talking about their mold, you know, uh, mold binders or remediations or how they're getting rid of the mold in their body. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's so many sick people that could benefit from this little clue. Yeah. And um, I feel so much better. I'm. You take binders and you try to detox, and there's all these things. You you go to saunas and uh, oxygen and ozone and all these different IV things, and they make you feel fantastic. But when I went the third time, I was sick again. I had waited like too long, and um, I was glad my dad had gotten sick because I was like, I need an excuse to go for myself <laughs> because. You know, it's sort of like when you've got, we remodeled and I mean, you know, you still got bills to pay and credit cards to pay off and it's not really the right time to spend a lot of money on your medical care, but it's sort of like, well, your body's sick and this is when you need to go. Mm -hmm. So I was in a way grateful that my dad needed treatment hey, so listen, I could go with I needed help and that, I was falling apart. I mean, I yep. had cancer, a stroke, uh, yep. what the hell else did I have? I, I well, just, I'd gotten rid of AFib like five years before. I had three surgeries on that. Yeah. I mean, it's like... You're having trouble walking. I mean, it's sort of like you've got to catch it or you're going to yeah. slide too far down the hill. You know, at a certain point, it's like you have to go when you need it. Otherwise, you're going to get too bottom. sick. Absolutely at the bottom. So thank you for hitting bottom, Dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for... And it's funny, but you've, you've bounced back in a big, big way. And... Um, I got the, and I'm just going to change topics for a second. I got the, you know, the regular stem cell treatment, but then they also did the facial injections. Uh -huh. So you normally get a facial, but I did the one where they like needle in yep. like 50 different like needle punctures. <laughs> yep. I've done it. Yep. And <laughs> thanks for telling me about that, Eric, because it does last a lot longer. Yep. Um, and I have rosacea and stuff. So I really wanted to try that. And um, I had them do it a little bit on my legs because I have all this capillary damage from, um, I have, well, we think edema uh, from this mold exposure that I couldn't figure out. And so the capillaries near my ankles are all, it looks ugly and stuff. And um, But when we were done with MCEL, we went to Florida and uh, we were in a hotel. We were trying to quarantine. And my hotel room, I think, had mold also, which is so unbelievable. When you walked in the door, it had a funky smell. It had like a weird smell, and then it smelled like perfume and shampoo over it. And um, oh, and I this is what I wanted to clarify. So when I say moldy house, mycotoxic mold is a secondary metabolite that mold produces when it thinks that another like mold species is kind of edging in on its territory. I call them mold babies, but the mold makes these metabolites, and they are fifty times smaller than a mold spore. So what happens is you could have hidden mold on the back of the drywall, but these metabolites are so tiny, they're basically like vapor. They go right through the drywall. They're so small, and you're basically breathing toxic air. And they think that like 
of the population cannot detoxify these metabolites. They think that 75% of the population can just pee and poop it out, or you breathe it out, or you sneeze it out, or you cough it out. But the 25% of the entire population of the world does not possess the genetic like ability to detox mycotoxins, and they just accumulate in the body. And they cause like a, a million weird symptoms. They can cause hand tremor. They can cause heart palpitations. They can cause skin rashes, neurological problems, anxiety, depression, memory things, you know, memory problems. Um, they can hurt your kidney. I've got wrong with me. Yeah. Well, and I've been thinking the last few days, I'm like, my dad had black mold. Um, when they remodeled the kitchen, they had black mold behind the sink. And they got it remediated, but it's like, well, maybe there was... Maybe there's one more spot that they missed, or maybe there's mycotoxic mold from that that he's been exposed to, and we didn't know, you know. So some of my dad's problems could be this problem, too. Well, let me ask a quick question. Have you ever seen, um, there's a guy named David Asprey. He's the the inventor of the bulletproof coffee. He did a documentary on this. I think it's called Mold. Have you heard of this? Well, I think I watched that movie, and okay. that's when I went and bought those, like, Petri dishes, okay. like, at the hardware store okay. and tested my house. But, you know, they came back negative. Right. But um, the problem is they say that those, you know, hardware-level tests aren't that great. So I've hired a professional remediator. Anyway, I just want people to know that, like, when I say moldy house, it's like there is nothing to clue you into the fact that it's moldy. There's nothing visible. You know, you really have to be, like, a detective, and it's worth it to hire, like, a mold expert to come and test your house but especially if you've been sick for a long time especially if you have a lot of autoimmune diseases especially if you have Lyme disease and you can test your own body I guess um my doctor I I went into my doctor's office and I do like a a monthly sauna um where they sort of close you in like a box and only your head is sticking out of the box you Mm -hmm. know like it's a hot sauna but your head is sticking out and the new thing is they pump ozone in the sauna, and I do that, you know, maybe every two months. It makes me feel good. It helps me detoxify. And because I had done that treatment, he's like, you know, why don't you, here's a urine kit, like pee in this cup, and we'll set it into the lab, you know, tomorrow morning, first urine, you know, pee in the cup. And that's when I got my test results back. But he said normally, if we were testing somebody for mold, we would try to provoke it out of you much more so. So I guess mold gets stuck, and you have to um, really provoke it with, like, ozone or saunas and all these different things so he's like there's probably even more mold in you so that's you why you little... some of these decatheters you could poke it in the thanks eye. thanks, <laughs> thanks <Dad. laughs> wow anyway but um wow. you know if it wasn't for m cell if it wasn't for the fetal stem cells i wouldn't even be standing upright you know what i mean like there's no way i could have lived in a moldy house for nine years had i not gotten these treatments and um it stresses your adrenal glands like crazy and I think that's also part of the thyroid picture, which is to have a working thyroid, you need working adrenal glands. And one of my problems is that I can't take my thyroid medicine. And people are amazed because my adrenals are just too weak. It puts too much stress on my heart. And I get a lot of calls from people, Eric, that, you know, you patch them through to me mm-hmm. that, you know, they don't want to take their thyroid medication and they're they want to know all about, like, how am I getting through life without my thyroid medication, even though I have holes in my thyroid that they can see on an ultrasound. And um, wow. I'm like, it's the fetal stem cells that are allowing me to do this, you know. Wow. Wow. But I would like to take my thyroid medication. I just, you know, haven't been able to. But um, mold is one of the reasons why if you're having trouble with your medication, that 
it definitely definitely can be one of the reasons. Wow. Yeah. Let me mention one more thing. Yeah. MCell has got a facility that is so exquisite. You should just go go see it. Just stop in there. It's just beautiful. It's white marble. Yeah. I was in the marble <laughs> and granite business. Yeah. And believe me. They did Just one hell of a job, man. Yeah. It's, very, it's very beautiful. Yeah, because I mean, Lee, Lee saw the original one, or the one you know from the original movie, and uh, and yeah, they've been working on that for over five years. I mean, that wasn't obviously as you can tell. They built that building from the ground up. I mean, they bought a plot of land and built this thing from the ground up. You know, over five. I mean, the old one was nice too. I mean, I had no problems with the old one. There was no, nothing no. wrong with the old building. Of course, yeah. You know, obviously now they're FDA. Is it, you say all their equipment is like FDA level. Well, that's part of the plan. It's a you know it's a it's a slow process. But aside from all the things I mentioned earlier in our talk about all these new techniques of a delivery, um, that was one of the reasons why they wanted to upgrade to have so it's a little bit better than just a simple outpatient clinic where it has sort of almost like the surgical style rooms available and all the proper equipment for that and the trained personnel for that. But then um, yeah, the the brand new lab. Would the end goal would be to have it up to what they call FDA standards and practices. So it's so it's and that if they do, they do eventually want to try to introduce a phase one study, perhaps for say heart disease, like with this new intracoronary procedure for people say waiting in line for a heart transplant. But this takes a while with the bureaucratic, you know, machine. But the first step of that is to get their lab um, sort of up to what, you know, approved as an FDA standards and practices approved. So they would have some European consultants they've already been talking to that the FDA, I guess, signs off on and says, okay, you know, they go in and they you know inspect it. Like, okay, because you can't submit new clinical trial uh, application in the United States without that first step being approved. So, you know, like anything with the world of, you know, say, you know, the FDA and pharma, if you would, it's a very slow grinding process. So, but yeah, I mean, that's... You want to hear the, yeah. one of the reasons for the slow grinding process? Sure. My <laughs> ablations, I yeah. had two first ablations. My wife worked for the school board mm -hmm. in, in Florida, and so I was using her insurance. It cost two hundred and fifty-six thousand dollars per ablation. Yeah, that, that's two hundred fifty-six thousand. That's a big-time operation. Yeah, and I had two of them. Yeah, the third one I had, Medicare paid for it, twelve thousand five hundred. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So you're saying but, because of how much money is being made, right? Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. My doctor was flying a jet plane. I mean, it was like, it wasn't a casual deal. I only knew one other doctor that had a jet plane. It was a, my best friend's brother. Uh, yeah. He was an eye doctor. Yeah. Just unbelievable. People don't make that kind of money. Yeah. It is a longer conversation, but I mean, obviously, if they decide to try to open up a trial in the U.S. for heart disease, you know, with people waiting in line for a heart transplant, I'm sure a heart transplant surgery is not inexpensive. That is a, obviously, you know, that is a whole nother conversation and a huge sort of hurdle to get across because also... Half a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Half a million dollars. Compared to yeah. what you guys paid, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, and also another, another roadblock since we're on the subject is... If they did that and they raised the money to be able to go through FDA testing and get it approved in the U.S., something else to consider that is they're not oblivious to is, well, if we did all the work and spent all the money, you know, what would stop other competing biotech companies from just taking advantage of everything we've already done and competing with us in the United States, which is a very real issue. Um, so it's sort of like a catch-22 in all aspects, you know. But, yeah. you know, it's, it'll wear a ways away from that happening. But uh, The bigger chance of Mexico stepping in before that. Yeah, but 
In Mexico, it's still illegal there too. Um, the only, and they don't want to go into a territory where it's illegal. Um, so even though like Tijuana is a little bit of the wild west, they could get away with it. Like everybody does there, but they're just, yeah. you've met them. I mean, they're not the kind of people that want to break laws. You know, they want to do this above board where they're not going to be bothered and, um, where they're, they're playing by the rules, you know? And so in Ukraine, they can, um, because it is regulated and legal. And I don't know if you the whole, know the whole history about... Well, and, I think you yeah. should tell everybody the history um, because I think that's the one thing that people don't know, Eric. I know it, mm-hmm. but um, you should say the story. I'll say the story now, sure. I've said it in many other interviews, but um, I've realized I should go into it deeper in the, in the follow-up documentary. But, you know, the short of it is they, were, they found out that like women who had donated their bodies to science, that male chromosomes were found in women who had given birth to male sons in their life. Um, so when they died at whatever age, you know, the autopsies and the, you know, the donation of science, whatever that entails, you know, doing, studying these uh, cadavers, um, they found male chromosomes in the hearts and in the brains and other parts of the body, but hearts and the brains specifically. And then after more digging and more digging, they realized, hmm, this woman was diagnosed with a congenital heart defect, and it appears that it had been fixed during her life after she gave birth to her son. And then the same thing with certain uh, things in the brain. And then there's more and more reports were, you know, uh, reported that like women with multiple sclerosis that had gotten pregnant, the symptoms would subside. And that was like a very weird anomaly. So the, what I'm saying is there's enough data after decades and decades that like there's something going on here where these cells are leaving the womb and protecting the mother host, which makes perfect sense from a biological standpoint, right? And then, so the only people that really grabbed the, like, the bull by the horns on this were these Ukrainians, um, that were the original founders of M-Cell. And this, so they started researching and testing this in animals. And they were doing this for a while, like I think even from starting from the late 70s, but definitely into the 80s. Um, but then, and they were ready really to start moving into uh, humans. They're like, this is completely safe. They had to figure out what time of gestation, which for a human is seven to 12 weeks and the first trimester, where you wouldn't have any kind of immune response or a rejection in the body, because that's the first concern everybody says. Like, how do you know these cells aren't going to just get kicked out of you? Well, first of all, the fact that neither one of you or me, I've had it, you know, four times, I'm on my fifth, we've never had a huge raging infection and fever, which would happen if you had an immune response. And even when you get a vaccine, you get a small immune response. You know, we know what that feels like. And never happens. In fact, you feel great after this cells. So anyway, the point is when Chernobyl hit in 1986, I believe in that region, that's when the floodgates opened because it was such a tragedy. And so it, you had all of this, you would just, all of the regulatory sort of roadblocks were lifted. So these scientists sort of right place, right time, um, this was their open door to move to the next step. In fact, their first, I kind of, I do talk about it at the end of the film, but I don't go into this detail I'm going into now. But if you remember at the end of the God Cells, there's a Skype call with two parents and a child who's now an adult who has his own wife and child. And he had a plastic anemia, which is bone marrow failure. And what I did, right. what I did not mention in the movie, because there's just so much information in the movie, but... Um, but I did mention in the movie that this was the first patient they had ever treated. But I, what I failed to mention was the reason he had a plastic anemia or bone marrow failure as a small child, I think he was seven or eight, was because his parents bought milk from a radiated milk farm that was exposed to radiation from Chernobyl. And that Chernobyl. destroyed, yeah, it destroyed his bone marrow. And so wow. they tracked this kid down. Um, they were like, we're ready. We, you know, and plus they were also... Um, it's a longer story, but there was even Americans coming from America with fetal, uh, liver cells trying to treat people from this Chernobyl disaster. Um, but anyway, that's sort of a, another point. But so these guys found this kid, they were like, okay, we know what these liver cells do. 
the foundation of the bone marrow, the foundation of the immune system and blood circulatory system. We know what they can do. Let's, you know, then they found this kid with bone marrow failure who was living off of blood transfusions, waiting for a bone marrow transplant. So um, they talked to the parents and basically said, you know, we'd like to treat your child with these liver cells. <laughs> you know, they didn't really fully explain to the parents what exactly they were doing, but the parents did not care. They just, whatever, if you can save our child, great, you know? So they injected this child with the liver cells only. You guys got, and I got, you know, the whole kitchen sink, the whole human system, basically. They only gave the liver cells to this child. And then in two weeks, the child did not completely recover, so they hit him again two weeks later. And then shortly after that, complete cure of bone marrow failure, aplastic anemia, complete cure. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, and that was really? their first, yeah, their first human subject. By just and it like, lasted the rest of his life, and he oh, never yeah. needed another treatment. No, no. So yeah. So just think about that. I mean, they, you know, with, you know, we know what, how. If you've ever heard, I'm sure you've heard of a bone marrow transplant or even met someone that had one. I mean, they have to transplant your bone marrow. They bring you to the edge of death. They destroy your immune system to hopefully your body doesn't reject this thing. Um, and all they did was give this kid two shots of liver cells and it cured him. And then once the regulatory Ministry of Health saw this and they presented this. You know, how could they say, no, you can't do this again? You know, so, so they just kept moving. They just kept moving forward. And basically they started in a tiny little one room hospital in a state hospital in Kiev. And you can find an old BBC documentary from the 90s um, where they went there. The BBC went there. You walk in and there's like old school Ukraine kind of communist era. And so you finally get to this little M cell room where they're treating people with fetal stem cells. So that's where they began. And until so now you saw that building you were in, I mean, kabloom, you know? So, you know, yeah. and so yeah, that's sort of like the short story history of how this came about. And like, what's cool about it is it's sort of like everything that's scientific advancements. It's sort of like one thing leads to another that leads to another. And there's a lot of happy accidents. And this was sort of like right. one of those things. But the most beautiful part about it is, is that people that doubt it, just once they understand that this is based in, you know, uh, centuries of human evolution, like that we can prove that these cells do leave the womb at a certain time of gestation and do protect the mother host. And people will, might say, well, you know, that's genetically similar. Uh, well, not necessarily, because there's a different father than the mother. And just and that son or daughter cannot grow up to necessarily give that mother a kidney transplant, for example. There's not, you know, this is a genetically different, biologically different human growing in the womb. So, you know, it all just makes perfect sense scientifically. And so these guys yeah. just harnessed that and just honed it and made it hum, you know? So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Eric, there was one more part of the story that you told me that okay. this is to me the most compelling part. And sure. maybe it's not to you, but you had said that, you know, they had figured this out while they were still under communist rule. And when the, um, Aha. When the Iron Curtain fell yep. in 1991 and Ukraine becomes its own country, is Close. that right? Okay, that's a good detail. So because they were independent to Ukraine, um, that also helped. So they were not under uh, the sort of the, you know, under the umbrella of Russia. And they're, they're not under the umbrella of Europe or European Union. They are independent. So they can make their own regulations without worrying about Russia or Europe because they're an independent country. Right. Even to this day, people still think it's Russia. One of the co-founders of MCEL, in order to get this approved, he realized, because they were smart, like you had one kind of genius scientist, they're both doctors, but the other guy was just good with bureaucracy, <laughs> even though he was also a doctor and a scientist. But Which so, one, Smigadoop or Karpenko? Uh, uh, Smigadoop was the original founder of this. And then uh, Karpenko was the one that went into the unit. So went to the Ministry of Health. So he actually gotcha. just got a position at the Ministry of Health 
to help write the regulation. Instead of dealing with presenting stuff, he just became a part of the Ministry of Health because he had all the credentials to do so. And again, you got to remember all the Chernobyl all insanity and like all the stuff, the, the aftermath of all of that. So yeah, that's part of it. So instead of like the bureaucratic machine um, of us trying to knock on doors, why don't I just get a job at the Ukraine Ministry of Health and write the regulations ourselves? You know what I mean? I, so, yeah. 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 Well, Makes total sense. Yeah. So, I mean, they became a new country in 1991. Was yeah. that when they became their own country? I, but, you know, yeah. think about how old countries are. 300 years, 500 years. You know, they don't have stem cell laws on their books, but Ukraine does. And I think that's the other part that a lot of people don't know about. Well, is that this is legal in Ukraine. Yeah, well, fetal stem cells, correct. It's the only country on earth where fetal stem cells from this exact procedure taken from an abortion and, and harnessing that is legal. It's not legal anywhere else on earth. So it makes it even because more it's valuable. Because too much yeah. money to be made from sick people. Is that what we're saying? Well, no. I See, the thing is, I don't think MCL is a threat. As far as like the money uh, competition, like with Brzezinski, he owns the patent. And he still does because it's still an FDA testing, theoretically. So, But that was a threat. Because if, if antineoplastons were approved for cancer, even for the most obscure cancer, you or I or anyone can insist on it and pay out of pocket for it as a first line of defense before going to chemo or anything else. If you wanted that, you had that choice right now, you know, he's not on the table for that, but you can, but going back to fetal stem cells is you gotta, you guys, I don't know if you guys realize this, but you, me and Dennis are only one of maybe 25,000 people on earth who have had this. Yeah. I mean, just let that sink in. So, well, which is why we feel the, uh, the yeah. need to talk about it. You know, it's like, yeah. it's our duty to talk about what it's like. And, yeah. You know, so there, you know, they don't really get, I mean, their schedule's always booked, but you saw how much work it is for each patient, like what entails, how many days you were there, how many people you met, how many different doctors came in and out giving you different injections and all that. You never met the people in the lab. There's just as many people working behind the scenes, working with the doctors to cherry pick yourselves. It's a big operation. Anyway, the point is, and it's just not a threat yet. And because of the abortion issue, already by default going to put up barriers because of just how divisive and, and you know, that is, um, you know, they don't have to, they're just, just I mean, if MSL basically created like, you know, a thing where they could treat like, I don't know, a half a million patients a year or something insane, like they might start becoming threatening, but right now they're just not on anybody's radar. Um, they kind of like it that way in that regard, because, you know, am I, right. am I making sense? Like going back to, again, yeah. like if, if they tried to do a clinical trial in the U S and got it approved, um, not only will all of the anti-abortion people lobby and just it'll raise hell and it would just be, you know, a chaos. But again, um, if it's that one of the reasons why you see so many adult stem cell clinics in the U S is because you can't patent that. And everybody's just competing with one another for this sort of inferior therapy, you know? So if, imagine if that went to the U.S. where anybody could do it if they had the technology to do it, um, any biotech firm, because abortions are like 50 million a year. I mean, these things are a dime a dozen. That sounds terrible. I don't mean to say it like that, but this is not a scarce uh, you know, thing. So anyway, so it's not like it's hard to come by. So, so yeah, if it gets to that, you know, imagine what would happen to the entire industry. I, I'm not joking when I say outside of cancer therapy, this could pretty much replace all pharmaceutical drugs across the board. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. it fixes almost every, yeah. any, every illness. Yeah. And certainly, if you could do them before you really have any illness getting bad, of yeah. course, this will replace everything. I mean, cellular medicine is going to be the medicine of the future. We all know that. Yeah. But, you know, it's very disruptive to get that to be the next big thing. And um, I just think it's important. Future. Or our children's right. future. 
well, hundreds of years. They're not going to change anything. Yeah. I mean, the good news is, uh, what I want people to know is that it's legal in Ukraine. It's not black market. It's regulated by a medical board. And you can't get these anywhere else. And that's why we're going to Ukraine. I think that's the big question that people ask is like, why are you going all the way to Ukraine for your medical care? Yeah, I get, um, I get that. the fact that it's beautiful there, but, I, you know. Right. I told my podiatrist, he was trimming my toenails because I'm so fat. He was trimming my toenails, and I told him I'm going to the Ukraine. Da, 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 da. You know, make sure you trim them short enough so they look decent when I'm there. <laughs> and he says, oh, we do stem cell therapy here. Yep, thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. That's my podiatrist. You yeah, know, yeah. Like, hey. Well, that's the thing is that people hear the word stem cell. I love using this comparison. Like you don't say, if you have a bicycle in your garage and you have a Cadillac in your garage and you live in Los Angeles and you need to get to Los, get to New York City, which vehicle are you going to take? You know what I mean? It's like they're both transportation. You don't say, I'm going to use some transportation to get to New York and jump on your bicycle. And, and somebody goes, well, what, what takes you long? Well, I'll use my transportation. No, you know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say? So the thing yeah. is that even these doctors... Well, more or less the general public, they don't understand the vast difference in stem cell types and they're, they're not created equal at all. And so, yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've, you know, well, my aunt Jean went to Florida to get uh, oh, her stem cells. Yeah, yeah. Why aren't you going my there? My uncle got stem cells in Florida. And I'm like, yeah. yep, not the same thing, but no. that's okay. I'm I, driving a Ferrari and you're driving a bicycle. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, welcome. I remember when they told me how they create stem cells? They take some of your blood, they mm -hmm. put it in a centrifuge, they spin it, yep. and they take the—I'll just say—the clear part <laughs> and inject the plasma. It in body. That's the stem cell. Yeah, and honestly, there is decent results for like uh, ligaments and sports injuries. Like you've—if you had that only in your knee, you may have seen some improvement. But the thing is that those things, those types of cells, first of all, are as old as you. So in your case, Dennis, they're 77 years old. They have all the 77 years of DNA damage, like anybody that's getting older. Um, so that's the first thing. And secondly, if you have a heart condition or anything else that you're trying to fix, that blood cell has to somehow just transform into a heart cell or transform into a lung cell. When you're getting fetal, you're already getting these things. You're already getting them. And it's, it's so uh, kind of hard to kind of keep hammering that home. And most importantly, for people with neurological conditions like Alzheimer's or MS or Parkinson's, it is physically impossible for uh, these cells, these adult cells to become a brain cell. It can't happen. So already right there, you're talking about apples and oranges. So Cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited. Well, let's give it a M cell. Dad, M cell. Woo woo. Remember when we <laughs> were doing that? <laughs> well, well, you guys. Thank you, Max, for being such a great interpreter when I was in, the, in at M cell. Yeah, Max is oh, great. Wait, what? Oh, you're an interpreter? Yep. Yeah. Max. Max, Max is Max great. Max was wonderful. Yeah. Max, Max has been my interpreter Alex. twice. Yep. <laughs> Alex was our driver. Alex was our driver. He was a sweetheart. He was so nice to my dad. I mean, everybody was so amazing to my father because he needs an arm. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. if he's going to walk down the hallway, somebody needs to have him on the arm. And Dr. Timo would walk him down the hallway. I mean, what American doctor in the world would ever walk a patient down a hallway on his arm? Like, no, I've never seen that in my whole life. But Dr. Timo did it every day. Yeah. And um, Alex did it every day. Alex was a sweetheart. I had so thoughtful. They are so caring and kind. They are like the nicest, nicest people. Well, you know who else I thought was wonderful? Um, I've had Dr. Teamer twice. He was great. Nurse Oksana 
was so wonderful with my dad. I mean, she was great with me too, but she really took good care of him. And, um, and you know, she's like, you know, your dad's so funny and, you know, it's just, just so warm and friendly. Um, it's not like any sort of American medical experience at all. Completely agree. They, they're actually the only doctors I go to now. <laughs> I travel how many thousands of miles just to go there. Yeah. So yeah. Well, the joke is you don't need any others. If right. You can right. go there consistently once a year. You don't need anything else. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, yeah. I've. Um, now that I found my root cause, maybe I won't, you know, but I, I will still want to go, but I won't need to go, which is sort of the nice thing. Um, to let them know what you need, Lee, because they have to, they'll have to make sure that they can uh, create the right formulation for the, that M cell to attack mold. Well, right. And uh, we didn't know the mold thing was part of the picture. And, um, well, you know, I already had 20 other things wrong, so we didn't get to that, but... Um, it usually takes 12 hours for me to feel, feel the stem cells after the first treatment. And it seemed like it was faster this time. And then they encouraged me to keep doing the treatment, which I was surprised at. And um, they said they would give me an extra stem cell, which was a, a spleen stem cell. And I guess when you get, if you're going to get COVID, the spleen cells are like the ones to get, which I thought was fascinating. You know, sometimes they say you've got to wait three or four months to sort of feel the effect. So this time it's a little different, but I'm feeling great. And um, I know it's helping me detoxify and uh, my adrenal glands are stronger. So anyway, I just wanted to finish my little story. That's great. That's funny. All right, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And this is very productive. And I think it's going to, a lot of people will listen to this and get a lot out of it, I think. So thank you both. I'm thoroughly impressed with your knowledge about so much stuff. Well, thanks. Between you and Lee, I, I can't believe it. You both should be doctors. <laughs> yeah, I've actually heard that before from other doctors, actually. Well, <laughs> you become your own doctor. I mean, when you're sick this long, you become your own doctor. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, Eric. Well, have a good day. Thank you. You Eric, too. Thank you again. I appreciate you interviewing us. Thanks, Dennis. And uh, by the way, I'll try to remember, but I want to hear what your eye doctor says, and I want to hear what your cardiologist says. Um, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I can give, I'll, I'll call Lee and she can get, get get us, put us in touch. Great. Sounds good. Okay. All right. All right. Have bye a great Bye-bye, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to episode 12 of the God Cells podcast. If you have any questions about any of this, I am happy to answer them. Email me anytime at ericmarola.com. That's E-R-I-C at E-R-I-C-M-E-R-O-L-A. The website for the God Cells is stemcellsmovie.com. My website for everything I do is ericmarola.com. Until next time, I'm Eric Marola.